Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Uh, Hannah and Matt, thank you guys for being here this morning. Uh, I'll share some personal comments uh, at the end of the service. I know some of you are kind of wondering, and I would be, uh, if I were a church member. And By the way, I am one. Uh, I'd be wondering kind of what's our plan over the next few weeks. I'll be sharing that at the end of the service, so uh, don't slip out and try to run to the buffet. Because you'll, you'll, you'll miss out. If you've got your Bible, if you're turning to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. Sam was gracious this morning to read that for us. And uh, I will tell you, church family, uh, this week... Um, well, let me just say this from the get-go. I need to, I need to ask your forgiveness. Uh, I have worried... You know, mom and dad used to tell you growing up, they, they would kind of wonder where you go, where where you've been all day, and they would plague you with questions, and you'd say, why are you asking all these questions? They would say, I'm just worried about you. I'm just worried. As a parent, grandparent, uh, influencer of kids, you have nieces, nephews, you you know you you worry sometimes, and uh, I would often tell my mom, you're not supposed to worry, that's a sin. And she'd say, well, I'm just deeply concerned. (laughs) And I'd go, okay, you're off the hook. So uh, I, I think when your concern passes over to the point where you start to lose sleep and you start to get, get overwhelmed. It crosses into worry. And I have been there this uh, past week, so I ask you to forgive me and pray for me because I know we are in transition. And I want to submit to you this morning that transition and change is good. And oftentimes, as we've even sung about this morning, it's an opportunity for God to show us things and to deliver us. And this morning, I don't know if you can picture it, I... I, I I went to Walmart, but I could not find a seaweed costume. But I brought my own seaweed with me this morning. I'll pass this around so you can kind of, kind of feel it. It's still soggy. But if you could picture this morning a Jonah standing before us with seaweed all over him. Because we're going to discover as we look at chapter 2... At the end of chapter 2, spoiler alert if you don't know, if you haven't read, he gets spewed out of the belly of this great fish onto dry land. And more than likely, he probably is covered in seaweed. And so this morning, I hope this will be a visual because I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to maybe say, uh, I have seaweed on me today. And seaweed will be a good thing and you'll find out why as we kind of look at uh, the chapter this morning. Chapter 2, let's just reread it again just for the sake of remembering what Jonah has said. Jonah is praying here, by the way, and it's interesting his prayer that he is praying um, because he is praying this prayer uh, in the belly of the fish. So he is not yet delivered But he's praying this prayer as if he has been delivered, which is a lesson in and of itself. So let's just read it. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. Now, in case you missed it, last season, last episode, uh, Jonah had been 
thrown over the boat. And it's only one verse. It's interesting that we only have one verse to tell us about three days that Jonah's going to spend. One verse. Chapter 1, as you know, was long. There was a lot of messages in chapter 1. And then the very last verse of chapter 1 says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. The fish, some people think incorrectly, that the fish was the bad news. The fish was actually what delivered Jonah from drowning in the storm. So just in case we get confused this morning, sometimes the way God delivers us is not the way we think it should look. And it's not the method sometimes that we would choose, but God uses a fish. It says God appointed this fish. This fish didn't show up by accident. He was was designated. He was sent. He was commissioned, if you will, this fish to swallow up Jonah, and he swallows up Jonah, and Jonah begins to pray after he is swallowed in the fish, and he says this, verse 2, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depths of Sheol. Thou heard my voice. Thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All the breakers and billows... Passed over me, so I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. He's thinking he's drowning. He's thinking he's going to die. All these breakers and billows. Nevertheless, I will look again toward thy holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. He's remembering what happened before this fish comes up to get him. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. So you thought I made that up. Seaweed. No, that's right there in the Bible. Seaweed. Wrapped around his head. He descended to the roots of the mountains, the earth with its bars was around me forever, but thou hast brought me from the life, from my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to thee in the holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to thee with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. And then his prayer has a result. Verse 10. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. And probably seaweed all over him when he got vomited up. What does God have to say to us today? What can we learn from his word about this prayer of Jonah? Jonah in the fish for three days and three nights. The Lord appointed or prepared, some translations say, the Lord prepared this great fish to come and swallow up Jonah. And uh, some of you may be wondering, I know we live in 2023, and people question the integrity of the Bible, and is it really true, and did this really happen, and is this made up, and is this a fable? I am sorry to report to you, if you're kind of wondering, is it true or not, I believe the Bible is true. I know that's taboo in 2023 to say that, but I believe the Bible is true. And I believe this was not a made-up fictional character that's a fable that we get some little lessons to learn from. There are lessons that we can learn, but I believe it's true. I did a little bit of research. You may or may not know this. Uh, Could a fish swallow a person? Well, in 1891, there's a story of a whaler named James Bartley. He fell into the sea while he was harpooning a large whale. The whale was killed and was dissected. And he was found in the whale's stomach, unconscious, but alive. Now, some have argued that this incident was carefully investigated. And true, the widow of, of James, James' widow, uh, says, you know, she's not really rather true. Won't, at the time, would not really say whether it was true or not. 
I don't know why. Maybe she's thinking if I say this is true, people aren't even going to believe me. So why should I say it's true that a man would get swallowed by a fish? The Bible also doesn't say it's a whale. It says it was a great fish. And I just believe that if God can, through the dust of the earth, make a man and a woman, God could, in his own providence, sovereignty, and power, create a fish large enough to swallow a man. I choose to believe that. If you don't want to, that's okay. I have some more evidence for you that kind of, to me, says it's true. Jesus himself even mentions in Matthew chapter 12, he refers to Jonah. And he says, just as the Son of Man will be dead for three days and come back to life, so it was with Jonah. Why would Jesus refer to a fictional character? Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus himself refers to Jonah. So I think this is a true story. And we can learn a lot about this. We can learn about the sovereignty of God. We can learn about what happens when God wants somebody to do something and they don't want to do it. You ever been like that? Don't raise your hand. I've been like that. What happens when God wants you to do something but you don't want to do it? Let me, let me ask it a little more personal. What happens when God wants a church to do something and they don't do it? In 34 years of ministry, I can tell you what happens to some of those churches because I served in one. Lynette can tell you. 15 years later, 15 years later, they still are looking for a pastor. Now, I can't judge their heart, but I can judge fruit, and God gave me some common sense. And I can tell you over the last 15 years of what I've heard and what I experienced when I was there, there are some stubborn people, and God has not relented. He's going to continue to hammer until the people do what they're supposed to do, which is what he wants to do. It's interesting, the question that I thought about this morning is, maybe Jonah wrestled with this question, obviously, because he disobeyed God. The question really for us, especially even today, is real appropriate as we're studying Jonah. God knew. The question really is not what we want. The question really is not what I want. That's really irrelevant. The question really for Jonah and the question for you and I and the question for Crossroads as a whole is what does God want? That's the question. Jonah didn't ask that question. Jonah's question, he wanted to answer is, God, let me tell you what I want. I do not want to go to Nineveh. I do not want to do what you say. I do not want those pagan people to hear about you. I do not want that. And God had a way of saying, guess what? You don't get what you want. Hang on, big boy. You're going to get thrown overboard into the water. And then this fish comes along. And folks, I just got to tell you, one of the reasons I am very concerned, not worried, is because my responsibility as one of the pastors of this church is to constantly get us to ask that question. What does God want? And in North American culture, just being honest, because I've served in only North American churches, more often than not, that's not a question that churches ask. I'm not saying they blatantly don't ask that question. I'm just saying there's other things that we sometimes consider more important and we don't ever ask the question, I know what we want, I know what I want, I know what I like, I know what my preferences are, my, my likes, my dislikes, but we don't get, a, get to the point of saying, but God, what do you want? Jonah didn't really think about that. It's interesting to me, too, when we get to this point in the story with Jonah, he actually finally, after being thrown into the water, he actually maybe stops and asks that question, and he actually prays. It's interesting. Sometimes 
Uh, church, I don't know if this probably hasn't happened to you. Sometimes God has to get me at a point in my life where I have no other option but to pray. And when you're in the disposition to pray, the prayers all of a sudden change and they get a little more personal and they get a little more real and they get a little more raw and authentic and genuine and all those things because we finally realize, okay, God, what you want is really paramount. That's the most important thing. It's interesting. One of the first things I see in this passage, the first lesson that we can learn from Jonah, Jonah praises God for his deliverance. That's the first thing. Jonah praises God for his deliverance. He cries out to the Lord in his affliction. Even while he's in the belly of this fish, he's praising God. He hasn't yet been delivered, but he's praising God knowing he will be delivered. That's pretty confident. We just, we just sung about it. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, He's working. He never stops. He never stops working. God is always working. Even when you and I don't think he's working, he's working. Because he's God. And because he loves you. And he has an incredible plan for your life. And his plan is better than your plan. And his plan is better than my plan. He loves you. And he loves Jonah. And Jonah obviously knew that. God's at work in your life. He's at work in your family. He's at work in our church. The end, I know right now we are confined Adults, young people, we are confined by time and space. Oh, that I wish that was not the way it is, but it is. We can't see the result yet, but let me just tell you, God already sees the result. God already sees the finished product. God already sees the next person who's going to lead us in, in worship. God already sees a completed building out here. God already sees dozens of young people that are going to come to Christ and children that are going to come to Jesus through the weekday ministry. God already sees the end. If that doesn't excite you, wake up. By the way, I got a lot of rest this week. Can you tell? Some of you don't know this. I had a quick trip out of the country. This is what happens when I go out of the country. I left late Wednesday, flew back in early Saturday, was two days in Mexico City. 21 million people in Mexico City. Just outside of there with some pastors and some missionaries. I'll tell you that at the end of the service because I will not be able to get through the rest of the message. And just again as a reminder, one of our goals, one of our prayers for this church is that many of us will step foot on the mission field, either here in Greer, Simpsonville, Greenville, West Virginia, wherever. Because we can get in our little bubble, much like Jonah was in his little bubble and thought, well, God must not be doing this, or God only does this way, or God only works this way. Broaden your horizons, God is God of the world. He's the God of the universe. He's the God of everything. And he's working. And you may look at your life sometimes and go, I don't know if he's working right here. Let me just tell you, he's working. He's working in Mexico City with 15 pastors that sat around a table and were weeping for their city to come to know Jesus. Because boys and girls, as young as some of you have this age group of kids in your family, six, seven, eight, nine years old, being kicked out on the streets and being sold as slaves right in the backyard of their church. And there's similar things, just so you know, happening right here in this county outside the walls of this church. We need to open our eyes and see the opportunity that we have. And Jonah didn't do that. He was not interested in seeing that opportunity. But in spite of all that, even in the midst of this belly of this fish, he starts praising God for his deliverance. One of the things I just wrote down to myself, this is for me, this is not for you, this is for me. Sometimes God lets the circumstances become so impossible before he delivers us. 
Because then when we're delivered, we know it was God. Not our ingenuity, or our wisdom, or our ethic, or our creative intelligence. But God lets things sometimes get so impossible. I mean, think about it. Here he is thrown over the boat, and this fish, this large fish, comes and swallows him, and here he is inside. What kind of possible escape can he come up with? It's not like there was electricity inside the belly of the whale. Let me flip the light on and see what's going on in here. And sometimes God lets things in our own life become so impossible that we think, well, how's God going to come through with this? God always does that, by the way. Please don't say this to me anymore. If you've said this to me, I forgive you, but please don't say this to me anymore. This is not biblical. God will not give me more than I can handle. That is a lie from hell. God always gives me more than I can handle. Always. And I look at what's on the horizon for me in the future, and I'm going, God, I can't do it. And you know what God's saying? Yep, you're right. You can't do it. But guess who can? God will always give us more than we can handle. I heard somebody say this week, as I was talking with them about Jonah, before God can ever use you fully, don't miss this, this is for me. Before God can ever use you fully, He must have you completely. Church family, I'm challenging you this morning and I'm challenging myself, every person from 1 to 101. God wants you fully. He wants you completely. And half-hearted commitment is not going to get the job done. Half-hearted commitment from your pastoral staff is not going to get the job done. Half-hearted commitment from us as as church family is not going to get the job done. Jonah's life was rattled, but even in the rattling, he, he realized he had to praise God. It's interesting. How did, how, did he, how did he praise God? Well, we see there in all throughout those, the, really the majority of chapter 2, he starts quoting all these things. Thou cast me into the deep. Water encompassed me to the point of death. I descended to the roots of the mountains, but you have brought me up from the pit, O oh my Lord, my God. It's interesting. All these things that he's quoting, a lot of them are from the book of Psalms. So he knew the word. He knew God's word in the belly of this fish. It's not like he had a candle and a Bible, but all this scripture is coming to his mind to help him get through this. And it was knowledge of the word of God that got him through the calamity. Can I say this to you, church member, church family? I love you. The knowledge of God's word is what will get you through every challenge of life. Now, here's the challenge for me. How much of God's word do I know? See, that's the challenge. Because when the circumstances of life come, or the trouble, or the adversity, or the calamity comes, and I don't have any scripture to go back to, then I'm just kind of this, what am I going to do? Quote the newspaper? I'm going to quote the Greer Citizen? Is there a newspaper anymore? Or they quit making those, didn't they? I mean, what am I going to quote? What, am I, what resource am I going to go to? I wish we had time this morning. We, we are governed by that clock, and I hate that clock. Not that clock particularly, but just you know what I'm saying. Because if we took some time, and there's some Sundays I think we should do this, and I just said to you, stand up and give me a scripture that has been your rock, that's got you through some adverse situation or through some calamity. I know in my heart we could be here for hours as people in this congregation, I believe, would stand up and start quoting scripture. Maybe we should do that. Anybody got one? Yes.
Amen. Thank you, Beth and Jeremiah. Anybody else got one? BJ. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Amen, brother. Thank you. The Word of God is what will get us through every calamity and every challenge of life. And Jonah obviously knew those, which tells me this. Jonah starts through all these verses. He describes his trouble and his cry to God and his faithful answer. He doesn't just wah, wah. He doesn't just cry about what he's going through. He starts calling out to God and reminding God, this is who you are. This is who your word says you are. That's where his faith is that rises up within him that helps him realize, I'm going to get out of this because this is the God that I serve. It's not enough to know about the bad situations. We've got to know who the person is that can get us through those bad situations. He says, you cast me into the deep. Jonah realizes it wasn't the sailors, by the way, that cast him into the sea. It was God who wound up casting him into the sea. And his greatest pain was not the calamity, but his separation from God, his feeling that maybe he was cast out of God's sight. But then the story kind of shifts. So he's not just thinking about, woe is me, little seaweed. The story shifts a little bit and he starts praising God. Verse 7, while I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to thee in the holy temple. Verse 9, with a voice of thanksgiving, that which I have vowed I will pay, salvation is from the Lord. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Salvation is from the Lord. Help is from the Lord. And Jonah starts crying that out. This is a a close-up picture, really, of what Jonah really is thinking at this point. He knew his salvation was from the Lord. You know, we talked about, I think it was last week, about what does true repentance look like. We're seeing this displayed in Jonah's life as we go through through chapter 2. Jonah proclaimed his fear of the Lord at the end of chapter 1. But then we get into chapter 2, Jonah starts praying and he calls out to God all while he's in the belly of the fish. And when he gets to the end of chapter 2, he starts crying out with a new heart of gratitude. And he renews his commitment to his vow and he gives glory to God, a sign of repentance. Repentance is an event, yes, but repentance is also a process. And it's a continual process. And Jonah gets, as he speaks to the fish... And he prays out to God and calls out and cries out to God. God speaks to the fish, verse 10. The Lord speaks to the fish. The Lord commands the fish and it vomits Jonah up onto the dry land. Here's what's interesting to me as I've looked at this passage over and over this week. Deliverance comes after repentance. It's not an easy thing to say, is it? That won't win you Pastor of the Year Award. Deliverance comes after repentance. So what Jonah had to do was last week, I think with the eyes, I'm so, 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 so hard to say. I'm sorry, Lord, I've offended you. I didn't believe in you. I lost faith. Whatever it is, whatever that prayer of repentance needs to be, Jonah's prayed this, and after he prays this prayer of repentance and begins to give glory to God, what happens? Jonah is vomited out. On to dry land. Now I'll just say this. Sometimes, sometimes, actually most of the time, we don't have a choice of how we're going to be delivered. I'm not sure Jonah was actually thinking while he was in the belly of the oil. Okay, I'm in this belly and I want to get out. 
hmm, how's God going to do this? Projectile Jonah. I mean, that's what's getting ready to happen. He's getting ready to be spewed out of this fish. Jonah might have had another method, we don't know. But God had a purpose in his method of, of the way he chose, number one, a fish, the way he chose to get him delivered, which is to be spewed out. And the methods, church family, the methods are not up to us sometimes how God wants to do things. I, I remember, I think I've shared this story with you before, 15 years ago, before our family moved from Spartanburg over to Greenville. And we were up and down, I was up and down the interstate with a radio ministry we were doing at the time, up and down the interstate every weekend in Nashville, Tennessee, back and forth. And thinking our house was going to sail, thinking God was moving us up there back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'll be honest. And it, by the way, it's, it's okay to get upset with God. God has, has a big chest. He can handle your, your real emotions. I was not happy with God. And then all of a sudden that ended. And I remember looking at Lynette going, I have no idea what we're going to do to survive and make a living. I have no idea. Our house didn't sell. I had no idea. Then a pastor friend of mine in Knoxville, Tennessee, called me and said, Hey, we, uh, we lost our worship pastor. Can you help get us through a few months? I said, Okay. So I wind up going up. I thought, Okay, God, maybe I overshot. Maybe in my mind, I thought you were saying Nashville, Tennessee. Maybe I overshot. Maybe it's, okay, maybe it's Knoxville. So again, put our house back up on the market, thinking, you guys remember 2008, 7, 8, 9, when the economy just totally just went berserk? Our house was on the market for two years. Nothing happened. I was so angry. I felt like I was walking around like this. I was so frustrated with God. What are you doing? Why don't you deliver me? I've served you. Why don't you deliver me? What's the problem? And some of you are looking at me like, I can't believe you did that as a pastor. Get that holy look off your face. You've done it before. Come on, be honest with yourself. It's all right to get angry with God for a little bit. And for about the next six or seven months, I made that trip up and down I-26, I-40 to Knoxville, Tennessee. And we thought, okay, God's going to send us to that church. Guess what? That didn't happen. You know what did happen? For most of those Sundays up and down the interstate, I had this little boy sitting in the passenger seat with me. And we would ride and we would talk. Three hours up, three hours back. Sometimes we'd go up on Saturday night, spend the night, lead worship at the church, ride back to Spartanburg. There's not a price you could give me. There's not an amount of money you could give me to say, I, w- I wish you, didn't, you don't have to, to, t- to take back that time that I had in the conversation with Will up and down the interstate. See, it wasn't wasted. It was God teaching me something in the process. It wasn't wasted. God never wastes the journey. We waste the journey sometimes by thinking about what we want 
And God is saying, I'm trying to teach you a few things along the way. And wow, the fun that we had, the conversations that we had, pulling over by the side of the river that runs down through there and just finding a swimming hole. Like, we're going swimming. We don't have anything to do. We're going swimming. Finding some hole in the wall restaurant and eating, hanging out together. Those, those times I wouldn't trade the world for those times. Looking back. And then that's, that's when I have to pray a prayer like Jonah. go, God, forgive me. You were in the process of delivering me, but the method that you were using was you wanted to even use the method of delivery to teach me something. It's interesting. The methods that God uses sometimes are not the way we want. I mean, God spoke through a donkey. God took a guy named Saul and turned him into Paul. God sent the Savior of the world as a baby in a barn. Church family, I just want to encourage you and ask you, open your eyes. Open your eyes because sometimes the things that we want and the way that we want them are not necessarily what God wants. We have to look with spiritual eyes and and just say, God, show me what it is that you want. It's interesting too, by the way, Jonah got vomited up on the dry land. Everybody likes to stop with the story there and go, wow, that's great. He He got vomited up on the dry land. If you know your geography, your Bible geography, and I'm not great at geography... A lot of people think Jonah got vomited up right on, right at the county line of Nineveh. Oh, thank you, God. I got a free trip. That was like first class. I didn't have to sit in coach. That was awesome. Let's just say God could maybe have done that, but most people don't think that's the way it happened because not only would it have been miraculous with the fish, but that would have been some miraculous Thrust in projectile vomit, forgive me, if you will. Because if you know your geography, Nineveh was about 375 miles from the water. So if Jonah did walk into Nineveh right from the belly of the fish, there's another miracle. If that's what happened, I don't know. I don't know if it happened or not. Here's what I do know, church family. There are many of you sitting in this room today, I, I know, because I, I know a few of you well enough to know this. You've been in, you've been in the belly of the fish. Not necessarily like a, a real fish, but figuratively. You've been in the belly of fish. Maybe it was cancer, maybe it was depression, maybe it was... Family situation, maybe it was financial situation. You, you've been there. And you came out. And you had seaweed on your face, but guess what? You're still here. You're still here. God delivered you. Some of you, you're still in the belly. And you're, you're, you're ready to get out and go, Woo, I made it. But right now, you're still in the belly. That's okay. So I've been praying all week how to, how to bring this home for us. I'm going to ask Matt and Hannah just to play quietly. Here's what I want to give you the opportunity to do this morning. As a sign of your praise to God for delivering you. If you've been through something, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. There's probably as many people in here, there's that many different things you've been through. Maybe this morning you just like to come up. Grab a piece of seaweed.
It's lettuce, by the way. And maybe you'd like to just come up and pick up a piece. And maybe stop for a minute. Pray and say, God, thank you. Because when I doubted you, you came through. Thank you. And you might just want to squeeze that and then there's a little trash can here. You can toss it in the trash. Some of you are going through something. You haven't been delivered yet. God's in the delivery business. You might want to grab a piece and I don't know, stick it in your Bible. In the next few weeks, months, whenever you get through that thing that God has you going through, you might want to pull out of your Bible one Sunday, just in the middle of the sermon. It won't bother me at all. Just in the middle of the sermon, come running down the aisle. And we'll all know they've been delivered. They've been delivered. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You are the deliverer. Our help comes from you. Salvation is from the Lord. Thank you, God, for the story, the reminder. Lord, I pray for us in this room, maybe today, at least in my life. Lord, I, I want to know your word inside, outside, up one side, down the other. Because that is the tool that will get me through every calamity, every affliction, every challenge. Every situation of wondering, is this true? Is this a lie? Is this false? Is this of God? Help us to get into your word, Lord. Remind us that you'll deliver us. I pray for friends in this room today that could stand very easily and say, I've been delivered through depression. God's delivered me through cancer. God's delivered my family through this challenge, my my child through this, whatever it might be. Lord, I pray this morning as an act of praise, we would just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for taking us through that. For some of us maybe in here this morning that we're in the midst of it. I mean, we are in the belly of the fish right now and we can't see and we're wondering, where are you, God? What are you going to do? Why have you left me? All those emotions are legitimate and they're fine. But would you help us by faith, just like Jonah did, by faith to say, I trust you, Lord. I know you, you will deliver me. Though the sea billows roll over me, I know you will deliver me. Church family, while you're praying, I just want to encourage you to do business with the Lord today. I don't know what He wants you to do. I know we may have some friends visiting today. We're so glad that you're here. If God's speaking to your heart this morning, you need to respond. I'll be standing here. My friend Heath, our teaching pastor and student pastor, he'll be standing here. If you need prayer this morning, maybe something you're going through where you're praying for deliverance, whether you're a member, regular worshiper, or you're a guest today, you're welcome to respond to what God's saying to you. Maybe you find yourself here today and you've never been delivered from your sin. You've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus. And this morning you say, you know what, that's, that's my entry point. I need to, the Lord to deliver me from this crazy life and my life of sin and walking away. And so I just repent and I call on Jesus. If that's you this morning, my friend Heath and I will be here to receive you, love on you, pray for you and encourage you. Father, pray even now. Would you have your way during this service? During this invitation, may we be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, would you stand with me? I'm going to ask Hannah and Matt just to play quietly. And if you need to do business with the Lord, here's your seaweed.
you want to come take a piece and offer up a praise to God, you feel free to do that. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.